How's everyone doing? We all well? We all awake? Are you sure? Um, well, it's my delight this morning. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. As we continue in our worship and our word and fellowship, it's my delight to welcome Mark and Becca McKnight. I'm just going to pass it on to you guys because uh, time is ticking and I'm sure you can do all the intros and stuff. Great. Yeah, so it's great to be here this morning, uh, and um, yeah, thanks for having us. We're not going to spend much time introducing ourselves. There's going to be lots of time for that later on, I think, when we, when we eat. We, we want to get straight down to what we believe God is saying this morning. Uh, as you can tell, I have an accent. I, I mean, you all have an accent, but I have an accent. If I'm too fast for you, I won't be offended if you say, shut up and slow down, Mark, okay? Becca doesn't have an accent. She's one of you people. Yes, I am. How anointed are the band, by the way? Like, oh my word, the Holy Spirit was present, wasn't it? Um, so, I'm going to get started. It's the very first time we visited Teesside. Um, our boys came with us, and um, you really captured their hearts. But not for the obvious reasons that you would think you would capture the boys' hearts, the little four-year-old boys' hearts. Um, not for the fun kids' work or the fun play corner, um, or having kids their own age to run about with, but because you had donuts. So Teesside Vineyard will forever be known as Donut Church. So I think that has quite a nice ring to it, doesn't it? No pun intended, obviously. <clears throat> um, we're very excited to be here. This week, it took a while, that didn't it? Took a while to click on. <laughs> Donuts ring, you know. Um, we're very excited to be here this morning. Um, we feel very honoured to be able to share God's message with you. Um, I was lying awake one night wondering what God wanted me to talk about. And I asked him to give me um, a message to bring. Um, and he gave me three words so he gave me unity, community, kingdom. Um, now, you might be thinking, well, surely kingdom comes before anything, which is why I think it looks a bit more like this. Um, we were given the title, um, The Potential and Importance of the Local Church. What a gift of a title. Um, what is the potential and importance of the local church? Um, this is different for so many different churches and so many different areas with different people in them. Um, but one thing still remains in every single church. It's God. Um, we're all in it to see people not to come God, to see lives changed by the authority of God. Church should be united in the belief that God is the way, the truth and the life and share in the vision of seeing salvation for the world. I hope you agree with that one. That was, yeah. <laughs> if it's not, I'll probably just sit down if I'm honest. <laughs> church is such an amazing place to start community to really invest in the lives of people around us um, to stretch out an arm to people who need it oh, that's my place. Um, the world can be such a lonely place and it's full of broken hurting people we're, we're some of them, we're broken um, we as Christians are safe in the knowledge that we have eternal life but what about those who don't what about those who, who think this is it, we live and then we die what a bleak and lonely world um, church is a symbol of hope, and we as a community, um, a community of God, need to be symbols of hope that walk out into the world reflecting, reflecting God's image. It's easy to love the lovable, but what about the unlovable? It's a, bit more, it's a bit more difficult to love maybe the alcoholic or the pickpocket or someone who's a little bit prickly. Um, but I have such a passion for sharing the gospel through action, um, generosity, um, serving, mentoring, and where necessary, using words. Our actions hold such power. People notice kindness and they react to love and help. 
Mark and I volunteer for an organisation called Safe Families for Children. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard of them. For those that haven't, they're an organisation who um, offer support to families who are struggling or lack support at a time of crisis. And we've never felt more like we're doing kingdom work than when we've had those kids in our house. We've had all sorts of kids. We've had teenagers. We've had young, like little people. We've had all, and the style, that style of sharing the gospel has sparked so many questions. People say, why, "Why do you do that when you've got three small children of your own? Don't don't you have enough to do? Just just say no. You're too busy." Um, this is a perfect opportunity for us to respond. We say, well, I do it because Jesus loves them, and I need to love them too. Um, John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple, if you love one another. Along with our actions, our words hold power too. We can use a couple of sentences to tear someone down. It takes a second to feel someone, make someone feel unworthy, useless, not wanted. That's why we, we have to say everything we can for the good of the kingdom. And we have an entire book. I did have a Bible. We have an entire book of words to help us if we get stuck. Um, a book inspired by the Holy Spirit. We're called to serve God in different ways, different places for different people. But the greatest commandment is to love. Love is everything. The church is such an important place as we become a lighthouse, which actually, (laughs) when you started singing Lighthouse, we were like, yes, yes, what a confirmation. Um, We're a lighthouse. I don't know if any of you know the song by Tom Walker, I Will Leave the Light On. Um, I was going to get him to play it, but I didn't know if that, we we were a bit unorganized, to be honest, and didn't get it sorted on time. Um, So it goes, if you really listen to the lyrics, it's really powerful, really, really powerful for, for a song that's not a Christian song. So it's going to come up, come up on the screen um, so you can read along with it. So if you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill, guarded by, like a lighthouse to a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace. Because we've all made mistakes. If you've lost your way, I will leave the light on. What, what powerful words are they? Um, if you change house to church, how much do you want to be part of a church that believes in that statement? We have potential to save lives and to walk with people through their journey, to leave the light on for people who are lost, people who've lost their way, directing them to forgiveness and mercy of Christ who died for their mistakes. Um, I'm going to pass on to Mark now, and he's going to share a bit more with you on that one. Thank you. Uh, Can we just jump onto the next slide, please? We are, so hopefully this is going to work. Uh, We're going to try a bit of audience in participation here. You will need your phones for this. If you have a phone with you, please get it out now. Uh, and I would like you to visit a website called slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com. Come on, come on, people. We don't have time. Let's get it going. Um, so once you've gone to slido.com, hopefully, I'm hoping and praying that it's going to come up on the screen. It sometimes takes a little second to load. Slido.com, it's going to ask you for a hashtag. And that hashtag is going to be T-side, spelled correctly, please. All right. Now, hopefully it'll come up on the screen. If it doesn't, that's okay. I can make it come up on your screen. So hopefully you have a question that says, what is the most miserable genre of music? I'm talking about the stuff that you listen to and it makes you want to, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
What is the most miserable genre of music? What is the worst music for you to listen to? What do you hate listening to? It's not coming up on the screen. Maybe go forward a slide and back a slide, see what happens. Anybody answer? Have you got in? Have you, can you all see it? Have you answered? The, I will tell you there is a right answer to this question. There, I can tell you what the most miserable genre of music, and I will do in a second. Uh, oh, we've got 10 people who have, uh, 10 people, right. Let's, um, how do I look at them? That's the question. I can make them show up on your screen. You should be able to see the answers now, can you? Screamo. Let's see what, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get on the screen. Never mind. Let me get up here. What have we got? Uh, do, do you want me to tell you what the answer to this question is? Folk music is the most miserable of all music. Legitimately, if you listen to folk music, they are all about dying down the mines, going off to war, and dying at sea. We're close. Why is it not on the screen? That's the question. Of course it's not working. Never mind. Right. Screw country and western, opera, country, emo, punk, whiny, rap, heavy metal, classical. Folk, who said folk? Put your hand up if you said folk. Put it there. They're, legitimately, they're all about dying down the mines, going off to war, and getting lost at sea. Okay, which is where we are going to start. I don't know if you know the parable of the life-saving station. It's not biblical. It's not. Don't look in your Bibles for it. It's not there. Are you ready for this? The parable of the life-saving station on a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat, but the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea, and with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station, so that it became famous. Some of those who were saved, and various others in the surrounding area, wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were bought, new crews were trained, the little life-saving station grew. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped, they felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds, put better furniture in, enlarged the building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as a sort of club. Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick. Some had skin of a different color. Some spoke a strange language, and the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. 
But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast, and they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. They evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. If you visit the seacoast today, you will see a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but now most of the people drown. That's difficult reading, isn't it? When you hear a story like that, you go, oh, I got to make sure that I'm on the right side of this. Um, now, how much do you want me to dig into this? You know, like Jesus tells a story and uh, tells a parable in two verses and uh, doesn't explain it, so you ought to be able to get at least 45 minutes in a sermon out of it, right? We're, we're going to dig into this a bit because I, I think it speaks about the, the type of church that, um, it speaks of our heart and the type of a church that we want to be a part of. Um, so, number one, uh, let's go to the next slide, please. Mess. Now, I don't know what your tolerance for mess is. Becca and I used to have two cars, and one of them was really messy, and one of them was really tidy. And now we have one car. And uh, so I, I'll let you guess who's, who's gone to whose level. I will tell you that our current car is not tidy. Um, you know, you know that, there's that saying about if you, if a messy desk is the sign of a messy mind. Albert Einstein said, if a messy desk is the sign of a messy mind, then what is a desk with nothing on it the sign of? Which is what I always tell my boss. Um, so now, anybody here ever given CPR? You know, the pushing on the... <laughs> two paramedics, yes, of course, you're given CPR. Now, if you... Like, CPR isn't... isn't like, it's not a tidy thing, is it? Right, my brother pulled um, his now father-in-law. It, it was just his girlfriend's dad at the time. He pulled him out of a swimming pool and brought him back. Let me tell you, that man will do anything for my brother. Um, it's not messy, is it? Like, you pull somebody out of the sea, the salt water, the sand, you don't care about the mess, do you? Um, and what I see in Scripture is, is a Jesus who spends time with people whose lifestyle doesn't meet up to what the religious leaders expect of them. And he uses an, ex, an opportunity to expose their hypocrisy, doesn't he? And, and, and actually, you know, you know the Beatitudes? If you're new to the Bible, there's the, the, there's the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew chapter 5. You can, I mean, you've all got phones and hopefully some of you got Bibles with you. Um, you know, Becca and I have matching Bibles. Sickening, isn't it? Um, we, so Matthew chapter 5, it's this part of the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and it's, it's a kind of block of Jesus' teacher, the teaching that comes together. The first part of it is the Beatitudes, or the Blessed Attitude. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, I think that, that what we get sucked into sometimes is that people are messy. That's not me saying you're messy. I'm saying when you do... So, um, we got a food bank in the church that I work for. And, uh, you know, some of those folks don't, don't speak English. And it makes you feel awkward, doesn't it? And the worst thing that can happen is for us to feel awkward. 
No one. Anybody like to feel awkward here? Nobody likes to feel awkward. I think it's, I think it's, it's not an English thing because it's the same for us, not, not Northern Irish people. We will do anything to not feel awkward. Food bank clients that don't speak English, or sometimes they pretend not to. That's a whole different thing. Um, it, we've got a guy comes in, and every time he comes in t- into church, he, he wants to sit down and have a cup of tea with me. Uh, he is a heroin addict, and all the mess that comes with that, and the you know everything that he's struggling with. We had a couple of girls stayed with us with with Safe Families for Children, and the level of abuse that they had encountered. Um, like we had to avoid certain streets in Darlington because of for their safety and for our safety. Um, but like Becca said, that in the midst of that awkwardness of us going, mm, I don't really know what to do here. Actually, it felt like the most kingdom thing that we, that we do. And, and it, it, it's so easy to get sucked into tidying up. Do, do you know what I mean? It, we, because people are messy, we try to make a tidy place. But then what we do by making a tidy place is that messy people don't feel welcome. Um, they don't feel comfortable. We don't want to, it, anybody stress clean here? Yeah, I see. I see people. You, yeah, ask, I, I don't stress clean. I'll be honest. I, I'm I'm giving away the answer to the question about the cars now, aren't I? Um, that thing of when you feel awkward, what you want to do is clean stuff up. Um, and actually, this story about the the parable of the life saving station, it's about actually we need to we need to not stress about cleaning up the place. God absolutely wants to deal with messiness in our lives. Being precious about the place is, is uh, yeah, does that make sense? Next slide, please. Man the lifeboats. Now, I've been on the RNLI website, and I can tell you what the requirements are for lifeboat men, lifeboat ladies, lifeboat women. I don't know, lifeboat people. Are you ready? Oh, I, I tell you what, let's all stand up, okay? And I want you to sit down if you fail on any of these qualifications, Okay. Number one, you need to be over 17 years old with the permission of your parents or over 18. So if you're under 18, under 17, you need to sit down. Um, you need to be under 55 years old, inshore lifeboat crew, or 65 all-weather lifeboat crew. Anybody that's... See, you thought you are out. Uh, you need to pass a medical and you need to pass an eyesight test. Uh, you need you need pretty good vision to do this. So I, I, I wear contact lenses. I wouldn't qualify on the on the eyesight test. Um, physically fit. Now, now, right? Okay, okay. Now this is this is the one that I'm not going to let you sit down on because you could actually do something about that, right? So basically, oh, you got to live and live and or work close to a lifeboat station. Like same town. So I mean, if you're like Hartlepool, Whitby, Saltburn, like they've all got lifeboat stations, right? Red car, does Red Car have one? Red Car's got to have one, right? All right, so, so most, of us, most of us are out now. And then, so you've got to pass a probationary period that usually lasts for one year. Be a team player. Be accepted, be accepted by the rest of the crew. So any of you that had a bad attitude if you weren't sat down already. <laughs> um, enjoy hard physical work. I mean, do people actually enjoy hard physical I don't know. Um, get on well with other people. Communicate easily. Obey orders when required to. Here's the thing. Over half of that is about attitude, right? It, most of them you could actually do something about. So if you're not physically fit, I mean, I'm not physically fit. Why am I not physically fit? Because essentially I'm lazy. I could be physically fit if, if I put the time and effort in, right? Um, 
the stuff, most of it's about attitude. Some of it is about where you live and work. You can do something about that. Uh, the only thing that I would absolutely fail on is the eyesight test. Right? Everything else is attitude or something I could do something about. Um, so if I lived, lived or worked closely to a life station, was physically fit, my eyesight's the only thing that disqualifies me. Okay? Here's my point. Normal Christians standing up and doing something. So, so the church throughout history has been involved in, where am I? Education, medical care, welfare, human rights, women's rights, children's rights, science, technology, arts, architecture, politics, literature, music, philanthropy, philosophy, ethics, theater, business, transport, slavery, economics, social justice, social care, mental, he- mental health, and the forming of the Royal National Lifeboat Institution. You see what I did there? Um, but... That's not the church militant throughout the world. That's not church with a capital C, is it? That is um, local churches, local people willing to invest their own money, their own time, sometimes their own lives for the kingdom. I once worked for a group of Methodist churches in Darlington. And this tiny little village chapel, we started a little kids club once a week. And uh, one of the church members met me for the first time and they said, Oh, you're the youth worker that's going to save our church, aren't you? And I went, mm, I think we're probably going to try and do it together rather than, like, this is about us, us, us doing something rather than, the, rather than, um, now, uh, Vineyard, uh, for those who, um, I mean, I don't mean to teach you a lesson. Vineyard is a movement that grew out, out of the Quakers, Right. John Wimber was a Quaker before he he kind of founded a church, which was a Calvary Chapel, and then it kind of came a vineyard church. Now, I went to a Quaker school. Anybody know what the Quakers are known for in their worship? Silent worship. Every morning in school, in assembly, we had silent worship. Now, our assembly hall was this big kind of amphitheater, and uh, it was filled with these kind of quite thin wooden benches. Which is fine for, for, for schools, but what they do when somebody breaks wind on them is it amplifies it throughout the whole amphitheater assembly hall. And Quakers are known for their silent worship. So usually about once a week, somebody would let one go and it would, and, and it would all dissolve in fits of giggles. Um, but the Quakers had, the, I mean, they were such uh, like entrepreneurs, businessmen, who instead of amassing wealth for themselves, they were social reformers, they were involved in the abolition of slavery, about women's rights, about the pacifist movement. Um, Darlington Football Club's called the Quakers um, because of the influence that the Quakers had in Darlington through the railways and through social reform and and things like that. Um, And instead of them going, well, we'll pay somebody else to save their lives. They got involved. They were politicians. They were, they were involved in society. They were doing those things. Um, now, back to, back to lifeboats. You all know the story of Grace Darling? Lots of people know. Anybody not know the story of Grace Darling? Grace Darling, her dad was a lighthouse keeper up in Northumbria. And uh, basically, she looked out the window of her lighthouse during a storm, and she saw some people over a mile away whose ship was wrecked on another island. So her and her dad rowed over to the to these people and saved them in the middle of the storm and uh, she became a proper celebrity um, it, like everybody knew her and there was books written about the girl with the windswept hair and all this kind of stuff um, but but what I I want to be a person who instead of instead of going um, 
yeah, well, you know, we've, we've got a youth worker or we've got someone who runs our food bank or we've got, you know, we've got somebody who's, who's reaching out to, to asylum seekers. I want to be a person who looks out my window and goes, there's some people dying out there. I need to do something. I need, I need to get in this little rowing boat and row for a mile because some people are going to die. Um, and uh, you know that passage, um, do you know that passage from Revelation? Revelation three fifteen to 17. It says, I know all that you do, and I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. How I wish you were either one or the other, but because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. For you, for you claim I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. And that's another one where I go, I need to make sure I'm on the right side of that. You know, that, you know are you ever in a meeting and somebody makes you a cup of tea or coffee at the start of the meeting? And then you get kind of halfway through and you've drunk two thirds of the cup. And then you go, I'll just, I'll just swig the rest of my cup of tea. And you know what I'm talking about, don't you? That kind of, uh, like, I, 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 I don't want to be that in God's mouth. I want to be the one that looks out my window and goes, there's people dying out there. Um, and then kind of the, 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 the very last line um, when, now, let's try and get Slider working again. Um, let's go to the next slide. Most of the people now drown. Becca told me, are we okay using this image? I said, it's the worst piece of Photoshop I've seen in quite some time. This isn't, it's not like one of my kids that I, I, I kind of staged the photo. Um, so let's see if we can get Slido going again. So I'm going to ask you to be brave. Oh, hang on. Uh, what I want you to do is be brave. Tell us what you or those closest to you are dealing with right now. Can we go to the, can we see if we can get Slido up again? Oh, okay. Oh, well, we've done that. We we can say that kids collection, please. Um, let's see if it works this time. So I've given you I've given you some multiple choice answers. Um, Becca and I sat for a while last night working out what what are the what are the what are the things that we should... There's lots of stuff that we haven't included on this on purpose. Um, and, I, you know, I mean, those the, the, the giants that people have to deal with in their lives. Um, oh, I have to... Let me submit a response and then I think I'll be able to see it. What's that? 81% of the people who've responded, 82% of the people have responded. Mental health. <laughs> That's... I mean, that... that you see in the media, don't you, about the mental health crisis? 17 people respond, 82% of them have said mental health is something that they or the people close to them are dealing with. Um, 
and the issues the issues that that we face here, the issue that Teesside faced, the issues that England faced, the issues that our world faces. Um, let's go to the next slide if we can. Um, Matthew eight twenty three to twenty seven. Jesus calms a storm. They all got into into a boat and began to cross over to the other side of the lake. And Jesus, exhausted, fell asleep. Suddenly, a violent storm developed with waves so high the boat was about to be swamped. Yet Jesus said, uh, "Yet Jesus continued to sleep soundly." The disciples woke him up, saying, "Save us, Lord! We're going to die!" But Jesus reprimanded them, "Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith?" Then he stood up and rebuked the storm and said, be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. The disciples were astonished by this miracle and said to one another, who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey his word. And I guess this is, this is where I want to get to, is that there's more going on than just this. We need to man the lifeboats. Um, because actually a lot of that stuff sounds dangerous, doesn't it? We have three little boys and, and you, you know, you're naturally... Um, we're risk averse, aren't we? Vineyard as a movement, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Um, but uh, well, a lot of the stuff that I've talked about is like, come on, it's dangerous, but let's go and do it. Actually, the reality is, I, I, I almost don't believe that. What I believe is that church is the safe place. Church is the life-saving station where we want to bring people to. Um, Jesus calms the storm with just a single word, or two, two words, be still. Um, and church, I think, for, for me, is about messy people. Like, messy people trying to embrace messy people. People doing their best. Trusting God that people aren't going to drown. Um, I, and I think it's so easy for us to forget what God's done in our own lives. I, 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 and, you know, I, I don't want <laughs> to tell you everything that God's done in my life because actually this isn't the place for it. It's, it's through relationship. It's, it's through sharing food together and sitting down and friendship. And, um, but, you know, things, things in Becca and I's life, the lives of people we love and care about, hailing from controlling behaviors, putting the lonely into a family, placing food on an empty table. Um, and what it needs to be is gratitude. I told you the story about my brother pulling his, pulling his now father-in-law out of the swimming pool, right? My brother married that girl on 31st of December. Let me tell you, her father spent some money on that wedding. Genuinely, now, I mean, he married into money, but I have never seen money spent on a wedding like that wedding. Um, And that's the place that I want to be in. I want to be that place of, I've been pulled out of this this ocean, and that place of gratitude. Um, So, uh, I know kind of time's kind of, yeah, time's running, um, but I I think it'd be great to, to just... Spend a moment to remember the things that God's done for you already. Um, what has he saved you from? And if that's not something that, that kind of sort of sits with your churchmanship, or your spirituality, maybe just pray a prayer of, God, show me, remind me the things that you've done for me. Um, and I guess the second question is, when we pray, come Holy Spirit, what, what do we also need to be saved from? Because actually, you, like we've said, like we saw, 81% of people, mental health was, was, was straight there. By far and away, everything else, there's some folks need, need some stuff about mental health. But there's also domestic violence, internet pornography, like a thousand different things that people have in their lives and, and, and struggle to deal with. So let's take some, some time. If, Joe, do you want to come back and maybe play for something? Is that? Um, um, how should we do this?
Let, let's, let's pray come Holy Spirit. Um, I'm kind of working under the assumption that there's some folks that are around and willing to pray with people. Um, Becca and I are more than willing to pray as well. Um, but yeah, let, let's take a moment and, and remember the things that we're grateful for, the things that God saved us for, and, and think about the things that, that we want to see God do within our own lives, the things that we still need saved from, um, and, and the things in the lives of those that we care. And does that, does that make sense? Let's pray together. Father God, we pray that you are a powerful God um, that, that can pluck people from the ocean um, and, and in the midst of the waves and in the midst of the storm and, and the wind, uh, you just stand up and say, be still. So God, we pray, come Holy Spirit, remind us of those things that you've saved us from already. God, fill us with gratitude for all the stuff you've done in us. God, show us the things that... that Show us the next thing that you're ready to do with us. Show us the next wave that we've got to get beyond that you're going to get us through. Amen.